Hey, Jim, can I borrow your Bible? I, yeah, I, I left mine in my office. Oh, it's the large print. This is good. <laughs> oh, I had to do it. I did premeditate that. I was thinking, I need his Bible, and I'm going to joke with him that he has the large But it actually helps me. I do have bifocals. So. Well, we're in this series on foundations, and to be honest, sometimes foundations are totally boring. Uh, when you're building a new house, it's not the foundation you go to see as it's being built. <laughs> you want to know it's being built well, but it, you know when things start you know, going above the ground, then you're like, oh, wow, like this is happening. And, you know, when the siding gets on or whatever, those are, those are really some of the exciting pieces uh, as, you're, as you're building a house. So sometimes foundations uh, aren't all that interesting, but, but they are essential, aren't they? Uh, they are uh, important. So for some today, as we talk about the foundation of God's word, some of this might be new to you because you're stepping into your relationship with God. And, and maybe you've not processed or thought about some of these things. For others, you, you might be 25 years into your journey uh, with God. And so how do you not fall asleep today? Uh, as you might hear some of the same things. But when our hearts are present and open to God, there's things that he needs to remind us of. And even as we saw in the Conquer series, there's an enemy. And sometimes the enemy has a way of putting something in between us and really... Uh, receiving and hearing what his word has to say. And so maybe there's just some dullness uh, that you have in towards the word of God. And maybe today we'll just resharpen and reinvigorate your spirit uh, towards uh, the word of God. So uh, we're going to move into this. Uh, to be honest, the Bible's intimidating, isn't it? You pick it up and you're like, well, <laughs> there's a lot here. Uh, it was written a long time ago. It was written by a lot of different people on a lot of different continents. Uh, it, you're like, what the heck is he saying? Uh, so it can be very, very intimidating uh, as, as, as a book. Uh, it's not the same as picking up some fiction book or even some piece of history that's more modern to us. And so it can be uh, really intimidating. As we kind of go through, uh, my hope is a bit to say... How do we just begin to get into it? I remember uh, Gordon King, we were talking, this was a number of months ago, just about Bible study and that, and, it, and he, he just communicated, you know what, I, I really just want uh, people to be able to start getting into it and, and receiving from it. And uh, we're going to do a bit of that today, and by the end of the message, we're just going to do a scripture reading and allow it to speak to you in a very simple way so that you could maybe even model that and take it home and say, okay, I can begin to, to spend some time uh, receiving uh, from, uh, from God's Word. Uh, this is a, a particular value within the Christian Missionary Alliance. Uh, one of our values uh, is that knowing and obeying God's Word is fundamental uh, to all true success. That, that God's Word has truth, and as we um, commit our lives to that uh, and we follow through on that, uh, we move in, and true success isn't, uh, it's following the purposes of God. That's what true success is. And so uh, it's a value to us uh, as a part of the Christian Missionary uh, Alliance. And so we're going to be talking through that foundation. If you would, open up your Bible to 2 Timothy 3, uh, 14 through 17. And this is going to be our primary text that we're going to utilize this morning. 
So 2 Timothy 3, uh, starting in verse 14 to 17, and then we're just going to piece out some of the words here, talk through them, and kind of practice what it looks like to just begin to read the Bible and let it uh, impact our lives. But as for you, uh, Paul's writing to Timothy here in this letter, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for these four things, teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It starts out, uh, but as for you, but as for you, it sounds like there's a contrast there, doesn't it? But as for you, as different than, uh, as different than others, if you read the preceding verses, uh, uh, Paul is letting Timothy know there's a whole lot uh, there's a whole lot going on. Some of the things going on, he says, there are terrible times in these days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. He goes through this whole thing. He's, and as he compiles this, here's what's going on. He sets this contrast. But as for you, but as for you, don't move in the teachings of the world. But as for you, I want you to turn, turn towards the scriptures. He says, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of. Continue. Uh, I like, uh, Paul highlights here the ways in which uh, Timothy was able to find out and to learn about the ancient words, the holy scriptures. Uh, he had learned them through his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice, right? He learned them from infancy. I see you smiling, Eunice. <laughs> you should be. Uh, you have shared the word of God with others. Uh, they have, Paul, uh, Timothy learned them. He learned them from infancy. And, you know, just as an aside, all our kids got dismissed, didn't they? And there are people faithfully teaching them the word of God. And the culmination of Timothy's life, as that was planted in him, right? There's a book, (laughs) uh, a letter from the Apostle Paul to him. Uh, He had a significant ministry and God used him. But those things were built because somebody had given them to him. I think there's an encouragement there. Uh, How many of you are grandparents? Okay. Some of you are grandparents to children who perhaps maybe aren't even being exposed to the word of God by, by, their, by their parents, right? And so quite possibly you as a grandparent are the one who has a voice to make the word of God alive and expose your grandchildren to the word of God. What a gift. What a gift. That was a gift uh, to Timothy. And, and parents, right? How many of you are parents? Some of you grandparents are also raising your hand again. Uh, but parents, 
opening that door for your children to understand the things of God and to receive things from the, the Word of God, for it to become alive. What a, it's a privilege and a responsibility. And uh, that's how Timothy got his start. He got his start when he was uh, young. I don't think it's just grandparents and parents. There, there's Sunday school teachers and our youth workers. So make sure you give a hearty thanks as you pick up your children and because you, you're reminded even today, okay, this makes a difference in our children's lives. And it made a significant difference for Timothy. But Timothy didn't just learn them, right? He, he didn't just learn them. He became convinced. Now, how do you become convinced of something? Well, sometimes we read something and we're like, okay, that's a good study or a good piece of research. And it's like, okay, we generally become wholeheartedly convinced of something when we experience it, when we see it, when we see it actually happening, right? And Paul is saying to Timothy, these are things that you learned, but you also became convinced of them. He became convinced of them and the power of God and the power of the word of God because he saw all of that transpiring through his ministry with Paul. He saw the word of God living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. He saw these aren't just written words on a page. These are things that are alive and powerful. And when you see that happen, you become convinced, don't you? It's not just an external agreement. Oh, yes, this is the word of God. Uh, And those are important doctrinal beliefs. But when those things manifest, when God breathes the word of God into you, it changes how you interact with the book because you know it's not just a book anymore. And so that's important as we even pursue the word of God, that it's not just something we educate ourselves in, but we seek to be convinced of because God is doing things to breathe that uh, into our own lives. Uh, In that uh, passage, it says, uh, in particular, that the holy scriptures are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. And so what we have in the word of God is preserved for us salvation history through all of this time as God continued to reveal who he was and ultimately in Christ. And so the whole Old Testament is there, there are glimpses and you can see it all pointing to Jesus and it's able to allow us to understand who Jesus is and to receive him into our hearts. This phrase uh, in verse 16, all scripture is God-breathed. The word there is theonoustos. It's only used uh, in this context. It means to be breathed out by God and so that we would see the scriptures are the very creation of God. Uh, you know, when we think, okay, God inspired the writer, so it did come through human authors. And we think, you know, whenever you're inspired, right, you might watch a good movie, uh, you might you know, read something, and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm inspired, and it, it inspires you to go out and do something. This is, this is a little different. It's that, but it's that on steroids and so much more. This is the writer being overcome by the Holy Spirit in such a profound way that what came out and what was written was from God. 
And so we do see the personality of the human author. But the Holy Spirit coming upon them in such a way that what came out was nothing less than the Word of God. I always had this question about the Word of God. I'm like, well, I believe God still speaks, don't you? Right? He speaks by the Holy Spirit into our hearts. So is, is, when God does that, isn't that true? Is that truth? I mean, one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is prophecy and that God speaks. So isn't that true? Well, why then don't we record all of that? Like if it's true and it's authoritative, then why don't we, um, why don't we record all of that? Uh, the last verse in the Gospel of John, I think, helps us. Um, it says this, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Right? So it's, it's not, are we missing things? No, we're, there, we, we don't have enough space to record everything that God says and does. And in a special way, the word of God was captured for us, preserved for us in written form. And so even we do believe the Holy Spirit speaks, but we always measure what the Holy Spirit speaks in the present day against what has been written and recorded and preserved for all time uh, for all people. Uh, in, um, uh, in Jude uh, uh, 3, it says this, Beloved, although I was eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. So there aren't new things unfolding that, oh, those have to be in the word of God or we're missing something. No, once for all delivered to the saints. And so that's why we, we don't need to keep writing. All the, core, the next event in salvation history that will take place is the coming of Christ. And so... All of the things that have been recorded and preserved, they are surrounding key events throughout salvation history. The next one is the coming of Christ, and at that point, we're there. So uh, hopefully that maybe helps uh, even in your processing of, uh, of the Bible. Well, this phrase, uh, God breathed, breathed out by God. I want to look at a couple of places where uh, that's an important word, uh, and there are some really powerful images that that alludes to. So uh, God breathed. Well, when did he breathe in other places in the scriptures? We don't get very far in the Bible, do we, before we see God breathing in Genesis 2-7. Uh, it says that God breathed the breath of life into Adam, and he became a human, human person. And I mean, I don't know how it exactly looked, but you can somewhat, okay, you fashion this person and just kind of there, lifeless, and then, and, and then like Adam, like, he awakens, and, and, and there's, there's life in him because God breathed in him. That's the imagery Paul wants us to have in mind, that the word of God would be blown into you and bring life into you. And of course, Genesis captures uh, physical life uh, uh, and, and, and all of life came into him. There's another time in scripture, in John 20, verse 22, uh, when uh, Jesus breathes on the disciples. This is after 
Uh, he was crucified, uh, rose from the dead. And in John 20, 22, it says this, that Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So this is sort of that culminating moment where, um, th- you know, Jesus has died, he's rose again, and now, like, this is, if you will, their salvation moment where they're regenerated. The, the Holy Spirit regenerates them, Right? And so it's, it's a powerful imagery that what does the word of God do? It's like, wow, these are, these are some amazing images for us of what the word of God um, can do. And following this, uh, where they received the Holy Spirit, they were regenerated. When, when the temple is clean, what can you put in it? The presence of God. And then that, then that happens uh, in uh, Acts chapter 2. Uh, it doesn't say particularly the breath of God, but the wind, right? A symbol of the Holy Spirit comes, and they are all filled. Friends, that's what the Word of God can do for us. When we're dry, and we can go and we can say, I just need some life. And you sit with it. And something strikes you. And you come back to life. The word of God does that uh, in uh, some particular areas. Um, What happens when the word of God is alive? There's four things that it it can do for us um, when the word of God is alive. We experience the word of God teaching us. When it's alive, the word of God can teach us. What kinds of things can it teach us? It teaches us what's true about who God is. It teaches us what's true about who we are as human beings. It teaches us what's true about how God and man can interact and connect and commune. It teaches us about how human beings can interact in a way that's God-honoring. It can teach us, as even this text says, about how to find salvation and be born again to have the breath of God come into us. So when the word of God is alive, we experience it teaching us. A lot of times when people want to teach you something, they are teaching you something generally, a lot of times, what, in advance, (laughs) right? They want to teach you something so you don't have to go the wrong way. And the word of God does that. It teaches us and instructs us so that we don't have to go the wrong way. We go the right way. And so when the word of God is alive and breathing in us, it teaches us. We also uh, experience the word of God rebuking us. That's one of the roles of the word of God. Uh, What's a rebuke? Uh, you know, when a siren goes off, like when you steal something and you walk out the store and the buzzer goes off, (laughs) right? It's like, it alerts something's off. And the word of God does that. When you, and I, you know, when you put your heart before the word of God and your heart is laid bare and the, the beep goes off, the buzzer goes off. And sometimes we need a rebuke in our lives. And the word of God can do that. Hebrews 4 says that it's alive. For the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. 
It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts. See, you can't get honest with God before the word of God and the presence of God and not have your heart, you you find out what's going on in there. Because a lot of times if we move towards the word, we put our heart there and we don't want it. It often is an indicator, uh, 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 something's off. Maybe I'm angry at God. Maybe I'm disappointed with God. Something's going on. But the word of God in a gracious way rebukes us and lets us know, sounds the buzzer. <laughs> something's off. When the word of God is alive, we experience the, it correcting us. See, it's, it's one thing to just kind of get yelled at, right? Hey, stop it. Okay, I'll I'll stop it. Like, well, where do I go from here? So it teaches us in advance. The beeper goes off, but then it corrects us. Hey, you're going this way. Correct, course correct, course correct. Let's go uh, this way. Uh, I like what it says in Isaiah 30, 21. This is the way. Walk ye in it. And that's what the word of God does. Okay. Walk this way. Move in this uh, direction. But it also, there's a fourth thing uh, that Paul lays out here for Timothy. When the word of God is alive, we experience it. We experience the word of God training us. Training us. Now, what's training? Athletes out there? Musicians out there? Anybody who's learned a craft or a trade uh, where you, you are training? takes time. Training often means you get a lot, a lot, a lot wrong before you get it right. And so the Word of God trains us and equips us for the things that God has in store for us to do. Training in righteousness. Uh, It's that idea that God is constantly developing, shaping, working uh, in our hearts. And uh, that training, that rhythm is important. Because when you're training, if you like, if you train once a month, I was like, you know, if you're, if you're perfecting, you know, something in music, I mean, my son is in music and it's like, oh, can you stop the drums? (laughs) You know, it's like, and it's the same thing. And I'm like, it sounded the same from the last time. He's like, no, it was like, a quarter note off, or you know, Jim can appreciate that, right? It, you, there's a training, and it's got to be consistent and, and have a flow, so it, it trains us for the things that God has. Um, I, I want to share this quote. Uh, we are jumping back, uh, Dave. I, I passed by this. Uh, this is a quote by J.I. Packer, um, and, and it, it moves towards really understanding when, when the Word of God is God-breathed, it's got to breathe into us. And there's more than just the study piece. It has to be illuminated to us for this word of God to be alive. So this is what J.I. Packer says. He says, the work of the Spirit in imparting this knowledge is called illumination or enlightening. It is not a giving of new revelation, but a work within us that enables us to grasp and to love the revelation that is there before us in the biblical text as heard and read and as explained by teachers and writers. The Spirit opens and unveils our minds and attunes our hearts so that we 
understand. One of the dangers of the word of God is to go at it with purely academics. And we know that to be true because in John 5, 39, Jesus says, you study the scriptures to the religious uh, leaders. You study the scriptures diligently because you think in them you have eternal life. Wait, didn't I just read (laughs) that you can find eternal life? Right? So here's Jesus giving the warning. Because you think in them you'll have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have eternal life. They were not allowing the illumination to happen. Their hearts were closed to the God-breathing life from the Word of God into them. And so how we approach the Word uh, is very important. How do we have this deep, alive experience? I want to give you uh, a couple of things, and then we're going to move to just a short Scripture reading. How do we have a deep, alive experience with the Word of God? First of all, study it, okay? Just because I just said about illuminate, we have to study it. It gives us, an, it's, a, it's an old book. So we, we've got re, to understand, okay, well, how, how do we know what it means if we don't know a little of what was going on? So study it like a textbook. Uh, we're, you know, we have Bible studies here. We did one last, uh, uh, over the course of kind of the last semester. Uh, and and there, were, there was the observation, interpretation, application, uh, kind of process to studying the Word of God. And if you're looking for a good book, I remember reading uh, by Howard Hendricks, uh, Living by the Book, and I Googled it, and it's a free PDF online. Uh, and I devoured it when I was in college uh, as I was getting into the Word, and it was like, wow, this, it, beca- it brought the Word of God to life for me. So to have a, a deep relationship with the Word, study it like a textbook. The next one is, though, to meditate on it like it has buried treasure to release to you. This is part of the illuminating piece. Meditate on it like it has buried treasure to release to you. Psalm 1, 2 says, Blessed is the one uh, whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Now, how is meditating different than just thinking about it? Right? Because in an intellectual way, you're, you're studying it, you're processing it, you're, you're working through it. But to meditate on it is to bring, to, let, to bring your heart before it, to enter into the very text itself. When I prayed as we began, I, I mean, three quarters of human you know, Christian history, there weren't Bibles everywhere. So... As, as teachers would teach, they would teach these vignettes of Jesus' life, uh, things from the Gospels. And, and how would people go away and how would you stay in the Word of God even though you didn't have the book in front of you? They would meditate on His Word. They would take the interactions and the stories that were told, and especially from the Gospels, how people interacted uh, with Jesus in the Gospels. And they would step into those stories. And then those stories would come to life for them. I think that's a a part of the word of God that we're often missing. Is that we don't enter the story. When you go home, you can open the gospels and you can take any one of those interactions that Jesus has with somebody. Take that piece alone. And enter the story imaginatively. We believe God can sanctify our mind, don't we? That's why we, right? 
God can sanctify your emotions. God can sanctify your imagination. And so you can, the word of God is designed to come to life for you. He gave you an imagination so you can, with a little bit of study, say, okay, I get a little bit of what's going on in this context. Recreate the scene. Enter the scene. Be one of the characters in the scene. You will be surprised at what happens in your relationship with God if you start doing that when you spend time in the Bible. It will radically transform things, right? Part of our brain is designed like a computer to process information. But that part of our brain isn't the relating part. So sometimes when we say, oh, I know God loves me, but I'm not feeling it, or I know this is true, but it's not working out in my life, what we're saying is I've been, my computer has processed the information. But how do you learn something that goes into the core of your being? It gets there by having relatable experience with it. And so enter the word of God. That's what it's for, right? You need to have your own experience like the woman at the well, Jesus saying, I see what's going on in your life. And he calls it out. And without being shamed, the hidden thing comes before God. And then you too aren't ashamed anymore and could go back to your town and say, come, come and see a man who's told me everything about my life. You see, all of those experiences, they're recorded so you can have the same experience, so that you can know Jesus in the same way. So enter the Bible like that, and it will transform you. Meditate on it like it has buried treasure. And when that happens, it's breathed into you. And then respond Respond to it when it's touched your heart. There's a, very, there's a big difference I know when God's breathed something into me and the scriptures have come alive in me and I respond to it. The grace and courage to, to, to take whatever step it is I'm being asked, it's there. And then there's times where I, I, I more intellectualize it. And I'm like, oh, I should do this. <laughs> been there? I should do this. And I set out to do it. There's no grace there. And it's, it's, it's my effort. It's, God's got to breathe things. And when he does that, his grace is there and empowers us. So respond to what goes on in your heart. Respond to it. What has touched your heart. And then share it. When you share, like the woman at the well, for example, she went and shared it immediately because she almost couldn't. She could not share it. And you know when God is breathing something new and alive and fresh and you're seeing things and you're experiencing them. You're the woman at the well. You're Peter who says, oh God, I'll follow you. And then what the heck? I just fell on my face. And then you're restored. You got to share it. You got to share it. I want to give you, I'm, I don't have enough time to do what I wanted to do. I wanted to do a reading of John 6 um, and, to, and allow you to be before the word of God like this. 
So I'm going to just do that with, um, sec- with this scripture from 2 Timothy since we've already read it. Um, and I want to just give you a closing moment with that. Pastor Jim's going to come up. Um, and um, uh, I want the word of God to be alive for you. So just close your eyes for a moment. And since I've already read it, we've done some educating on it. What does God want to say to you now through this passage in 2 Timothy 3? And I'm going to read it slowly. Let the word of God into you. But as for you, but as for you, Continue, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of. Because you know, you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. The ones that are able to make you wise for salvation through faith. In Christ Jesus. All scripture is God breathed. And it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting you, and training you in righteousness so that you, servant of God, may be thoroughly equipped for everything God has for you, for every good work. 